Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello. Once again, this is Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth. My man's journey to find it, and I found it in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are going to have another hour of fellowship or more. Uh, we have an, a new guest, uh, Michael Smith, uh, friends of Larry and uh, I believe Jerry as well. And uh, we will talk more about and introduce Mike and talk more about uh, what Mike has to say and uh, in a little bit here, but I just want to share a little bit today, uh, my experience. Today, uh, I had to go to a funeral. My best friend from high school, his mother died of a battle of Parkinson's for eight years. And so I hadn't had a chance to see them in a long time. And uh, it was a good experience. And one of the things I want to say is I want to give a shout-out to his father. Mr. Swanstu was a fine man and a Good example of what it means to be a husband. A few months after he retired from work, he ended up spending the last eight years of his life taking care of his wife as she deteriorated and died from Parkinson's. And he was faithful, stayed by her side, never complained once. And uh, I just want to say what a great man that, what a great example he is as a husband. And, uh, be God bless them all. So with that, um, I just like this to get this go showing by allowing Larry to introduce your friend Mike. I, Mike, I don't know you much. I've heard of you a little bit from Larry, but I'm looking forward to get to know you. So welcome oh. aboard. <laughs> and Larry, well, I'll, let you, you. I'll let you start by interviewing Mike, and why don't you two uh, explain to each other how you know each other and why you know each other. That? Great. Well, it's it's a it's an honor and a joy to have Brother Michael uh, with us tonight. Um, you know, uh, Brother Michael is a pastor of the Sovereign Grace Baptist Church in Joplin, Missouri, and uh, you know we we got a, a, acquainted with Brother Michael several months ago, and um, and he has a, uh, been doing a Bible study. Uh, verse by verse Bible study, uh, actually through uh, John, and uh, he's just recently been doing a Bible study through the um, resurrection of Lazarus and that that whole chapter, and it's been a really really um, blessing to uh, go through that with him. But we've we've uh, grown to love Michael. Uh, and his family. He's got five children, and he uh, he does a lot of uh, road trips because of uh, in in position with his job and so on. And uh, so, what I'd like to do is just have Michael just kind of give a background, a little bit about himself, and how he came to be pastor Sovereign Grace Baptist, and a little history of of himself and his family, and what brings him to this point in his journey with Christ tonight. So. 
But, Michael, I'm just going to turn it over to you and kind of let you, you know, just uh, share with us. Uh, just take the, the to- all the time you need to do that. And then uh, we're trying to get Brother Jerry Maurer on. As everybody knows, he's having a little problem with his, with his phone. So I'm going to turn it over to uh, Brother Michael and let him share it with everybody. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I'm uh, uh, glad to be part of the fellowship here, and, and uh, I've listened in to a few of you guys' programs as I've been able to, and I've been, uh, been edifying and uh, just pleased to be able to speak about the Lord anytime we have opportunity to do so, and uh, thankful that the Lord's brought uh, me and Larry and me and Jerry. I knew Jerry before I knew Larry. Uh, me and Jerry's been uh, friends now for two or three years, and uh, the Lord just kind of brought us together uh, through a uh, uh, through a, a form, an email form, and uh, we talked back and forth a few times on that. And I realized that he lived in the town that I worked in once in a while, and I just happened to be working there one day, and I just called him out of the blue and asked if I could come by and visit him, and it kind of started from there our friendship did and so we've had lots of opportunities to be able to uh, fellowship together whenever I've been over in the area and then we've also been over a few times to the meetings on New Year's Eve and so I considered brother Jerry a, a good friend and uh, love him very dearly and just got to know Larry recently and it's a joy to know him and uh, have a guy close that believes like we do and uh, and his contribution that he's made as far as comments, the times that he's been to visit and everything. And so it's been it's been a joy to know both these brothers, and I'm thankful that the Lord has uh, brought us together, and I'm thankful for your program, uh, Michael, and uh, glad to be a part of it. I, I really don't know if what I have to say is of much value, but it, it, it's who I am and what the Lord's brought me through, and brought me to, and uh, none of it's to boast in of my own self, but to give praise and glory to the Lord and what he can do uh, to a wretched sinner. And uh, so I just pray that he would receive glory from anything that we might ever talk about. Well, uh, Mike, the first question I'd like to ask you is, uh, how long have you been a pastor? Well, uh, I've been I, I've I've been preaching for quite a long time. Uh, I grew up in a uh, in a family that uh, my grandfather was a pastor. Uh, a lot of my cousins and uncles and relatives uh, were pastors, and uh, my family attended church. Um, so I've been uh, I grew up uh, going to. Uh, churches all my life and uh, so I kind of grew up in that and I began to preach and and, and teach as a Southern Baptist uh, and, and was in that clear up uh, oh basically until 2007 uh, whenever uh, I started to pastor in Joplin uh, I'd been traveling back and forth I was uh, an associate pastor in the Southern Baptist Church where I was attending where my grandfather was the, the pastor and uh, as I come to the doctrines of grace back in around oh around 2000 2001 I began to see the doctrines of grace and uh, of course that 
began to be a conflict in my preaching and teaching around the Southern Baptist uh, realm. And uh, I was the associate pastor at our church, and as I was preaching and teaching there, uh, of course, what I preached and taught eventually became, you know, points of contention with uh, some folks, and they realized that what I was saying and what my grandfather was saying uh, was somewhat diametrically opposed, and uh, and the Lord just uh, the Lord just uh, uh, led me to uh, resign from that. I, you know, my thoughts and all of it was that I would stay there and try to uh, uh, try to teach folks and, and 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 get them to change their mind. But as I began to realize in the Scripture that we're all taught of the Lord and that uh, all my teaching wouldn't be able to change anybody's mind, that only the Lord can do that. And really and truly, uh, my family, we just really sought after fellowship uh, in, the, in, the, in the scriptures and, and fellowship in the doctrine of, of Christ. And um, it was getting more hard to go to church. I love my family. I love those people there. They, you know, I grew up with them, most of them people in the church, you know, are like my family, my real family. And uh, so, you know, I, I still love them uh, and and everything, but there just wasn't any kind of spiritual fellowship there. And uh, we were really starving for that. And uh, by the Lord's providence, he brought me uh, among some uh, brethren, uh, and I began to fellowship with them. And uh, uh, through, through that fellowship, uh, I learned about the church where I'm pastoring now, and uh, after I resigned from our church and where I grew up there, um, I began to travel back and forth. It was two and a half hours from where I lived to Joplin, and uh, me and my wife and kids, we drove up there every Sunday, and uh, I would fill in the pulpit they were looking for a pastor. Uh, The church was very small. It started out in the home and um, a couple of families together, and it kind of grew to about four families, and some had left, and then uh, I was asked to uh, fill in the pulpit so they could find a a, a preacher, and uh, so anyway, I I drove back and forth, and one of the guys that was filling in was my uncle, and uh, whenever I resigned, he said, well, since you aren't obligated obligated to... uh, preach at your church anymore, uh, would you uh, be so kind to take over my turn of filling in so I could not miss, you know, preaching in my church? <laughs> so I took his turn, and another friend of mine who was taking a turn, he asked me the same thing, so I ended up being up there every week. And uh, I guess they just got so tired of me, <laughs> uh, they, uh, got so, or got so used to me, <laughs> They just said, well, you keep coming every week, so might as well just stay. <laughs> well, now, it, says, it says a lot about you that you're willing to drive two and a half hours to share the true gospel with these people. That uh, says a lot about you and what God's doing for you. Well, we, we, was, well we, we was pleased to do so. We was just so happy to have fellowship with people that believe like we did. It, it, it just, I really don't know how to, how to explain it, but a child of grace just longs for that fellowship. 
And uh, you well, know, I, what I'd like you to do, Mike, is I'd like you to try because I think it's a very important um, part of your life and, and a testimony to the rest of us of what exactly happened to you, this transformation that God was doing within you as he is opening your eyes to see the Word of God for the first time clearly. Um, because, you know, we've all experienced this, and so we all should be able to relate at some level on this call. The, the experience that you must have had, the shock, the um, bit of confusion that it might have been as well, but the clarity that comes from it, um, when, when you look at this, this time period, you're talking, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, this, you know, the early 2000s, when they started seeing things for the first time. How is that affecting you personally in your relationships with these people, uh, you know, your brothers and that you've gone to church with? Um, and uh, if you could expand on that a little more, because I think it's a very important topic that many people go through, and I think it's important to hear what you had to have to share about that. So would you try to sure. explain a little more on that? Because it's, it's meaningful. It is meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, well, <clears throat> that, during that time period, uh, I don't know how far, far to go back or how much detail to give, but during that time period, I, I'll be honest with you, I was very adamantly opposed, not just, opposed in the sense of the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, and while that was true, I was adamantly opposed to the doctrines of grace. Uh, I had an uncle who believed the doctrines of grace and had uh, been, a, been a member of our church there for uh, a while, and, and he had married my aunt, and uh, he had began to see the doctrines of grace many years before and eventually, the Lord called him into the pastorate, and he began to pastor in Colorado and then back into Oklahoma. And uh, he was one of the only uh, only uh, people in our family that that believed the doctrines of grace. And um, that kind of caused a contention within our family a little bit uh, at that time. But I was so young, I really didn't know what was going on and everything. But whenever the Lord began to show me these things, uh, I had a lot of conversations with my uncle, and uh, I was traveling around the United States singing in the Southern Gospel Group. And at the time, me and my uncle was having correspondence back and forth because I had come to the point where I was a very arrogant person and, and very prideful in what I thought I knew in the Scriptures and uh, really want wanted to just uh, prove that he was wrong. And, uh, of course, I had all my uh, Armenian theologians and, and, and books of men and things like that that I could arm myself with, uh, but I was ignorant of the Scriptures, to be honest, even though I studied quite a bit and thought I knew a lot. And during this time period, while I was traveling uh, with this singing group, my uncle, whatever now and then, we'd correspond through email, and he never would argue from man's philosophy. He'd always just give me scriptures. He never would really answer questions. He just would give me scriptures. And periodically, you know, we'd read 
the emails back and forth while we were traveling on the bus and, and uh, the guys that I was traveling with, we kind of laugh and joke about some of the things he said. But uh, every time he kept giving me these scriptures, it would just send me back and I would go back and look at this. And a lot of times there were scriptures I'd never read, scripture I'd never contemplated, slowed down, read, or anything. Long story short, the Lord had never opened up my understanding of these things. But as he began to send me these scriptures, the Lord just began to open up that understanding. And I began to see that some of these things that he's bring, bringing to me from the scriptures are contradicting everything that I believe. And so I would get my little uh, theologian guy's book out and I would type comments back to him thinking, you know, he's never going to be able to, you know, do anything against that. And then sure enough, he would send me half a page of scriptures back uh, refuting everything that I said. And it just really drove me crazy because I couldn't get an upper hand on him because all I had was philosophy and he had the word of God. But uh, that being said, uh, I, I put everything down. I got my Bible out and for about nine months, I, I didn't read anything. I didn't consult commentaries or anything like that. I, I didn't, had never been taught confessions of faith or stuff like that, so that never was a real big deal at that time. I just got my Bible out, and for nine months, I just searched these things, taking these scriptures that he gave me and, and was searching those things out, praying that the Lord would give me, uh, you know, clarity, that the Lord would, would show me what's true and what's not true. And if I've been believing a lie, all these years, would he show me that? Or if what he was telling me is a lie, would he, you know, show me that? And, and so there was a struggle there for quite a while. And I really, I, there was a lot of bad names that I called my uncle, you know, like fatalist and, and all this kind of stuff. And and he always loved me. He always just kept giving me the scriptures. He never was offended by, you know, the way I talked back to him as far as our email conversations concerned about him being crazy and all this stuff. And during that nine months of looking at those scriptures, you know, just one by one, the Lord began to knock down all those uh, all those things that I held, uh, and and I finally came to see. And the the scripture that really that that really I think stood out more than anything was Acts thirteen forty eight that uh, those who were ordained to eternal life believed. That one, I, never, I just couldn't, I couldn't get around that, and I just kept going back to that scripture. And so basically what I did is, is during that nine months, I took my Bible, and I had about four or five different colors of ink uh, markers, and I just went through, and every time as I read through that, as I read through the scriptures, every time I came across anything that had to do with election, I'd mark it in one color, Everything that had to do with, with what seemed like to me at the time, particular redemption, I marked it down. Anything that had to do with, with God's overcoming grace that had nothing to do with man, I'd mark it. A Before I knew it, I was flipping through my Bible, and my Bible was just full of color. And, and, and it just was amazing to me how blind I had been to see all that. And, and so as I began to realize that I'd been wrong, the Lord just broke me, and, and 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 I had to repent before the Lord for all the years of 
preaching uh, heresy, uh, preaching untruths, and and that I knew that it was going to cause a problem in my family. Uh, I knew that it wasn't going to be well accepted in, in our church, but I I could only preach and teach what I've been given to see and and what what I stand for the truth and and, and so that's. That's well, wonderful. By the way, Mike, that, that's really wonderful, and I'm so grateful that you shared that because, you know, I'm in a phase in my life where I'm at, you know, this point where even listening to commentary from others is sickening my soul. And really, you're right, it really is the Word of God. Just getting back into the Word of God, what a wonderful uh, story to hear, what an encouragement that is, and I'm not just trying to puff you up and make you feel anything special. I'm just, yeah. it's reassuring to hear that, <laughs> that, that you went for nine months and were willing just to open up the Word of God and shut out all the other voices, the many, 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 many voices out there competing for God's with God's Word, and uh, that's really a great message. It's a very powerful yeah. message which you just shared there, and it's so thank you. Well, 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 Michael, uh, you know, a- after I began to see the doctrines of grace and realized that that was, you know, that this is the truth, uh, I, I, I'd like to say that you know I just kept on clicking in the right direction, like you just said, you know, putting everything down. But I immediately started picking up books of men again, and I started looking. <laughs> I started looking for doctrines of grace writers. <laughs> so, uh, I began to pick up all these books that I could find in the bookstores, which there's not many uh, that that are that are from a doctrines of grace perspective. But the ones that are out there uh, are by reformed men and and uh, guys that believe the doctrines of grace, but they don't believe it according to scripture. Ah, and interesting. As as I was studying the scriptures, but reading even these doctrines of grace works, I found myself being drawn to what they were saying, but whenever I'd go back to my scriptures, I'd say, that's still not the right truth either. That's still not the right truth. And I went through a phase there where, you know, everything was reformed, reformed, reformed. I was talking about the Reformation. I was talking about, you know, all the reformers, all these guys, but... uh, Again, the Lord had to knock that out from underneath me, and uh, I began to see once again, you know, didn't you learn the first time? <laughs> didn't you learn the first time, Mike, that uh, you can't depend on the things of men, the teachings of men, the writings of men, the philosophies of men? Uh, just look to the scriptures. And uh, so I. I briefly went through that time period where I was looking at a lot of the famous doctrines of grace guys that are out there now, but uh, the Lord just kept bringing me back to the scriptures, and uh, I I finally had to cut any kind of ties with that group as well, and um, found myself to just basically be, you know, I didn't know anybody else was like me. I thought I was, you know, I'm not this group, I'm not that group, I'm not this group, I'm not that group. And I've come to, just to be honest with you, I've come to hate monikers, pigeonholes, you know, theological systems. Uh, I've come to hate those. Men want to make 
a theological system and a, and put a moniker on that. And if you don't believe those sets of rules, then you're, you're hyper Calvinists or Arminian. And so one way or the other. And, and I just don't like that. I don't know why we have to confine ourselves to um, a pigeonhole. We, we should be believers in God's word. We should be the people of God. And those who hold to the truth of God are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, I believe that, that the Lord teaches us. And we're not all there at the same time. And we're going to come through times where we're learning as the Lord teaches us. And there has to be patience with each other. But but first and foremost, whenever it comes down to it, it, it it's what does the Lord say? Uh, all the guys that I'm friends with, you know, they're big on, on the on what does say it's the Lord, you know, does say it's the Lord, and I, and I, they're right. <laughs> what does the Lord say? Not I'm not concerned about what Spurgeon or what uh, Gill or what you know anybody else says. Uh, what does the Lord say about it? And so there was a couple of years there that I was just rabid. You know, I found this new truth. I wanted to go out and tell everybody. I wanted to show everybody the truth. I wanted to, you know, and, and I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but I just wanted to beat the Arminian down with, with, with the truth because I know the truth could never be squashed. And, and man, I had all this newfound knowledge. And, and again, that arrogance, that pride welled up in me, uh, but this time from the other direction. And... uh Wow, that's, that's just really interesting. You bring that up. It's really interesting to bring that up because, um, you know, I I see that myself and others too. Where <laughs> there's that attitude that happens. So how did you how did you uh, how did God uh, help you to kind of level you out and overcome that? You know, this whole idea of taking on the, all the Arminius instead of just letting them lead you. Well, I. When I came to the church there in Joplin, they they called me the pastor there in uh, uh, October of 2007, and uh, I'd already been going up there since uh, let's see, I believe it was April of 2007 when I first started going up there. So I've been preaching there. The Lord had been convicting me about my preaching that uh, in the past I, all I did was topical preaching, and I really never dealt with the text verse by verse. And uh, I have a full-time job, uh, and uh, uh, I travel a lot for my job. And and uh, I just really thought to myself, I kept contemplating, you know, how am I going? You know, it's hard enough to do a topical sermon, but how am I going to do a verse-by-verse? Verse? Because, man, I just everything's got to tie together, and, and, you know, you're going from one verse to another. And I just thought, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to put in all the study time uh, to do to do this and uh, with my work schedule, but the Lord just really convicted me that you know that I need to go through the scriptures verse by verse, and so I just trusted Him. I just said, "Well, I'm just going to do it." I opened up the Book of Galatians one Sunday, told everybody oh, we're going to start going through the Book of Galatians, and so I started preaching through the Book of Galatians, and just took it a little bit at a time, and basically now. For the most part, the way that I preach to our, at our church is what they hear on Sunday is basically three, 
three months or so, two or three months, depending on my study habits, two or three months behind where I'm studying. And and as I'm going through the scriptures, and, and so we, we've been in the book of John now. We started the book of John in 2010, and we're in the 11th chapter right now. And uh, I, I don't... I don't try to get to the end of the chapter. I don't have a set plan. I don't sit down and try to organize my sermons and, you know, all these different structures. I just, what I see there, we begin to talk about as we come through, just like now in, in the 11th chapter, Lazarus has been resurrected and Jesus is, um, uh, uh, it's about time for the Passover and uh, Jesus has went away. Uh, into uh, Ephraim, and uh, the leaders are trying to decide about killing him. And uh, Caiaphas makes that statement that it's better that one die for the for the nation uh, than for all of them to 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 perish. And we've been talking about the doctrine of substitution, and I've been spending about three weeks talking about that so far. And we just preaching verse by verse. And as I've preached verse by verse through these scriptures, I've began to see that that most of the time these theologians and these men who try to make, and even systematic theologies who are supposed to be making these things in a systematic form, lose sight of the context of the scriptures and, and what these verses are written and, and, and what they're saying. And, and that's basically what's moved me away from either one of these and so as far as the way that the Lord has brought me to preach verse by verse, it, it's brought me to deal with the context. It's dealt, brought me to deal with the grammar, it's the words, the, you know, all the things that's there to look at everything and not just cherry pick my verses out to support my theme that I want to talk about. And in doing so, I've realized that I've had a wrong concept of a lot of these verses and taken them out of their context. And so I think that's helped me to see the differences between even in Reformed theology and what what, what I, I, I see that the Bible teaches as far as the doctrines of grace is concerned. And also, as I've seen that, I realize that I, I've not known anything. You know, I thought I used to know a lot. And I find out now more and more every time I open up the Bible, I really don't know nothing. And that definitely was the axe to the spiritual pride. Uh, not to say that it's all gone. I can't. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, guys. I I still struggle a lot of times with with my spiritual pride, but um, it definitely put it on the radar. And I know that that's a problem that I have. But the more that I study the scriptures, the more I learn that I don't know as much as I thought I knew. And uh, that, that kind of keeps my mouth shut a lot. Well, Mike, I like you already. <laughs> I, I hope that you are become uh, more of a regular on my show uh, because I, I like your story. I like your, your approach. I like your attitude. And uh, what a blessing to meet you. If I lived out there, I would probably be going to your church. Just to listen to that. <laughs> but that, uh, Larry, you have uh, any uh, comments, questions, uh, thought to ask uh, Mike? I know you, you you wanted to go into maybe going into 
Uh, well, one of the things I, that I, I – can you hear me okay? I can hear you, yeah. Okay. One of the things that was really a blessing to me is uh, when I first – the first mm-hmm. visit to the church there, uh, we got there late. We got there at 11 o'clock, and they do a 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock service, and um, – you know, the 11 o'clock service just started, and and I was kind of just, I was kind of just amazed at what I was hearing because I had never, I never sat under uh, expositional teaching, you know, and uh, I mean here, here Michael was just going through verse by verse by verse, and you know, I'm kind of using the the Bible as a concordance. I mean, he would. You know, use you know, take cross reference scriptures and compare scripture with scripture, and and you know that's really the best way to to learn the Bible. And so uh, that was that was really quite a a remarkable thing to experience. And um, and so you know that has had a big impact upon me and and reevaluating uh, my own study of the Bible has had an influence on me as well. And, you know, uh, Michael, you know, we've been doing some of our own verse by verse study on, even, even on air and that. And so, uh, Michael, I want you to know that you've had an influence on not just, you know, there at the church, but you've had an influence, uh, on all the people, you know, people on this call are from Oregon and, and uh, uh, Pennsylvania and California and Canada and all over the place that that come on here. So, um, well, brother, it, it, isn't that just amazing how the Lord gives to His people in just the right times and at just the right places that they need things? I mean, it sure isn't me. I mean, that that was the Lord who, you know, who did that. The influence was the Lord. You know, and and you know, I I I know where you're coming from. I, there's a lot of men in my life that uh, I uh, that I that I love, and uh, the Lord has used them to uh, to minister to me and everything. But it seems that that the Lord brings people into your life, brings circumstance into your life. Uh, of course, we all know it's by His purposes. He's designed everything that has ever happened and ever will happen. But how precious that is to see how he has promised to feed his sheep and he feeds them exactly at the point when they need it and brings yes. that food that they need uh, to them. And uh, I'm thankful that he's done it throughout the years with, for me and continues to do it. And, and uh, I'm grateful that he does that. If it so chooses to use me to do that, then then may God be glorified. And, and well, you know, also have we? I just noticed, um, uh, Michael, is Jerry? Has Jerry jumped on with us? I just, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> you here? Jerry. You're here again? Hi, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Had no idea. Hi, Jerry. Hey, brother. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing, Mike? It's good. Did you I'm call into good. the show? Did you call into the show, uh, Jerry? Is that uh, Central Arkansas? Yeah, what, what happened? What happened good. was I got bumped off, and then I had another call come in. And so when things settled down, I uh, 
just now called back and and it all worked. So yeah, yeah, good, good, good. good. Okay, thank you. Well, awesome. I just want to I want to just publicly jump in and thank both Jerry and Brother Michael for their patience with this old center. Um, you know, um, I get you know I don't want to get choked up here on air, but you guys have been very kind and and uh, putting up with the likes of me and I I consider it a, a real joy to to know both of you you guys and and uh that's that's all I gotta say, Jerry. Why don't you and Michael talk a little bit while I <laughs> while I while I kinda just pitch myself. Well Jerry, Jerry, Jerry I would like to uh ask you to talk a little bit more about how you and Mike met. Share a little more about your story, how you two met. Uh well this is this is interesting. He was on the even and, and I won't do it all, Mike, you, but he was on the predestinarian, and I, he was coming through Little Rock one day. This is how we physically met, but we met like we're doing now, uh, ear to ear. <laughs> but uh, he called me. I was in Little Rock at the uh, hospital. My son or somebody was in the hospital. And, uh, of course, whenever a man that is a predestinarian with a kindred spirit, we we immediately will jump through hoops to get to see him. So we met for lunch, I think, at the Olive Garden or somewhere, and I met his lovely family, and he does have a dear wife. My wife is crazy about her, and uh, he has some very dear children, and they have a rare, a rare commodity, and that is respect and obedience to their parents. And that's, uh, Mike, I've complimented you many times, but that is something that I appreciate nowadays that you see very seldom. And now I'll be quiet. Well, I'm I'm thankful to the Lord. He's given me a good wife and he's given me good children, uh, good in in man's respects, you know. Uh, But but he he really has blessed me uh, by by giving me the wife that he has and the children and uh all that glory goes to him. He he is uh, Amen. Amen. He he I tell you what, I was just telling Jerry, I don't know if he was on the on the phone whenever I said a while ago, it's just amazing how God knows the needs of his people and uh and provides for them uh just exactly what they you know, every need that we have he supplies. We might not know it's a need. We might have a lot of want, but he knows exactly what we need at the right time. And I, I think I think my wife and my children are definitely those things that I need. And uh, he knew I needed them. And uh, he's given me uh, a, a lovely wife uh, who I'm just so and I hope you don't mind this term, but, but just so proud to have because she's very respectful. Uh, she she's not boisterous. She's not loud. She's not. She I don't have to worry about her ever embarrassing the family or the Lord in front of anybody. I mean, it, it, I I know a lot of ministers whose wives are a detriment to them. <laughs> Anywhere they yeah. go, and yeah, 
uh, and, and I, I'm thankful that I have a wife that is supportive to know that there's a lot of traveling, a lot of time preaching, a lot of preachers getting together talking to the wee hours of the morning, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 just a blessing, and and I, I thank the Lord for for it. Uh, boy, I don't know if I could I don't. I honestly don't know if I could have made it if he wouldn't have given me this wife. <laughs> she truly is a help me. That's and that's rare too, Mike. Uh, I feel blessed also, very blessed, and and uh, all of the sixteen grandkids. I don't know if any of them belong to the Lord, and I don't know if I do. I I have hope any, but. He's all there is. That's just well, you know, Jerry. Jerry, this is a great lead-in to the questions that you asked prior to the show. Okay. Do you, do you remember the question? Yes, I do. Let's go. Let's do it in, and then okay. Larry, uh, Larry yeah. and of Mike, if you're willing to answer the question, and uh, I'll, I'll allow others. Uh, if Chris wants to, he can answer it too. So. <laughs> this this isn't a trick question or. Uh, anything. I was thinking about this as I was driving, and I was thinking about what what does it mean? It says, "Whosoever shall call on the Lord shall be saved." And it says, "He that believeth in me hath everlasting life." My question was this, and again, it's not a trick question. There's, but what what does it mean to each of us? To believe in Christ, what what is what is believing salvation? And and I have my own answer, uh, and it's not to contradict anybody else. But and and I really I really think, uh, and I was thinking about there's so many people that believe that that believing is just believing in a historical event that took place in history when Christ walked the earth. And that is not necessarily salvation. But go ahead. I mean, anyway, go ahead, go ahead you guys. You take over. You, well, you mind if I speak? Go ahead, sure. Michael. Um, well, number one, I, you, now you didn't use the phrase particularly, Jerry, but I know many who do. They talk about saving faith. But the faith we have is saving faith, and there's a difference between saving faith and just general faith. Well, I don't believe there's anything called saving faith either. Um, our faith doesn't save us. Uh, we we were saved uh, by the Lord Jesus, and That's our right. salvation doesn't our salvation doesn't come in time necessarily uh, that as far as the eternal covenant is concerned our salvation has been from everlasting to everlasting he is our salvation That's right. and as far as far as 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 believing faith what, what you know scriptures talk about faith is, is, is the substance of things hopeful the evidence of things not seen so that faith is looking at something that's not tangible it's not looking to, did I make a decision? Did I write my name down on a roll? Was I baptized? Did I join a church? Did I, am I keeping up works? Whatever that is, 
faith is looking to something that is not tangible. And I, I've said this, and I kind of have gotten heat by a few people by this. And I, I, if I'm if I'm wrong on this, I'm I'm definitely open for correction by any of you gentlemen or anybody that that's listening that might be able to contact me. But I believe that genuine repentance, true repentance, isn't something that you have that happens at an old-fashioned altar one time when you get there. That repentance isn't first and foremost necessarily repenting of my sins, because I, I I can tell you, and I'm sure if anyone's a child of grace listening to this, they know that they have not been able to say I'm changing my mind about my sin and I'm going to turn away from it and never return to it. That that just is not my experience. I continue to sin. I keep coming back to sin. And I'm still plagued with that in this flesh. But what I believe is true repentance, and I believe that repentance is a, is an outflow from faith, that true repentance is repenting uh, in thought on where my righteousness comes from and what my righteousness is in. My righteousness doesn't come from anything that I do. My righteousness is what Jesus is and did and that imputation of that righteousness is what I repent. I repent from a self-righteousness to an imputed righteousness by Christ. And that, I believe, first and foremost, is the repentance the Bible is talking about. Not necessarily repent of your sins and turn from them never to come back to them again, because every one of us is going to fail on that. Did I repent enough when I first was converted? What did I? Was my repentance good enough, and is it going to be long enough? But the repentance, which I believe can be, and I, I do believe is given in the new birth, is a change of mind about where my righteousness comes from. It doesn't come from my works, but it turns my eyes to look to Christ alone for everything. My justification, my sanctification, my glorification, reconciliation, redemption, everything is found in him. Just like you said, Jerry, I don't think it's just in the historical act of Christ dying, being buried, and, and being raised again. I believe it's in, in his life. I believe it's in his intercession from before the foundation of the world, his intercession manifested in time, his intercession at the right hand of, of the throne of God right now, I believe all of that is what we look to and we trust that what Christ said he would do in the eternal covenant, what Christ promised in his name, he shall save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means. It's Savior. He will save his people from their sins. What he promised he will do, he's going to do. And if he's promised that he would justify, if he's promised he would sanctify, if he's promised he would glorify, if he's promised all these things, and if he said that he's going to work in us to will and to do his good pleasure, if he said that he's going to do all these things, then I trust him. I don't trust in a preacher. I don't trust in a denomination. I don't trust in the, the works of man or even myself to get those things done. I rest in my Sabbath. I rest in Amen. God who has That's promised right. that. And if he's promised that, I don't have to worry. And I've said it at, my, at our church. 
a lot of times, and uh, Jerry, I think I've said this to you before as well. We're we're going to sin every sin that Christ died for, no more and no less. I amen that exactly. And we're going to do the works that God has ordained before the foundation of the world, no more and no less. Yes. And And every sin we commit is working toward our good. Absolutely it is. And so I believe that that mindset, that repentance, is that turning and, and resting and looking in Christ, and that comes by faith. And that faith is not something that we already have because the Bible says not all, uh, all men have not faith. But that faith comes as a fruit of the Spirit to those who have been born from above. It's not, yes, not see, see, I believe that faith is actually the faith of Christ. And it's in, that, it's in that incorruptible seed. So is the mind of Christ. Just like we have the mind of corrupt Adam in our natural man that Paul says, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In that, in that seed of Christ is the faith of Christ. In, in the seed of Adam is the faith Adam has. Uh, you, know, you know, when I was driving, I was thinking that, you know, we've just finished through this, this thing called Easter, uh, an ungodly pagan holiday. And there's people think about religion in that time, and and this and here's what I was thinking about that most people think if they if they believe that Christ literally existed, even that he was nailed on the cross and he rose again, that's not salvation. Salvation, according to John 17, is actually knowing God, and he says that over where he says, "How shall we believe in whom? In whom?" We've not heard. In other words, we have to we have to hear personally from Christ. We have to hear personally from the one we're to, to believe in. You know, Michael, I know you enough, and Larry enough. I trust you, men. Uh, now you might trust me. Your trustworthiness in me might be unmerited. I might not be trustworthy. But as far as you know, and see, that's the thing. You think about it. How can you believe, or how can you trust in whom you've not heard? Uh, and that hearing is John seventeen. I've manifested Thy name to those, and people think they can hear this from a preacher, and they can't. But you're right. Everything, everything is exactly. But I thought, how many worlds of people out there are are trusting in the fact that they believe that Christ existed? That's it, a historical event. Uh, like you believe that Abraham Lincoln was a president. You know, it's it's unbelievable what's out there today under the heading of, of belief. Well, you know, I just add a couple things. I <clears throat> shared with the group here that, you know, Rosette and myself, you know, we've been in over 140 churches, you know, and I've heard every sermon out there. I mean, uh, every slant, you know, just, I, you know. Yeah. And that 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 wasn't what brought me the truth at all. The truth was was from the Spirit of God who quickened me and started showing me, like Michael said, the Scriptures. Yes, and when I, saw, when I saw, you know, mm-hmm. when I saw 
what Christ had done for me. And that faith came from Christ. It didn't come from me. The faith of the completed work of of Jesus Christ, you know, rock of ages, you know. It's not Mm -hmm. speaking of just the rock of ages in the future. It's speaking of the rock of ages in the past. Yes. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee, not in 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 my free will, not in the decision I make, not in anything other than the, the person and work of Christ. And I like what Jerry says. It, it speaks to me. It's a three-word message, and that is Christ is everything. Yes. Everything we can see with our natural eye will seem to be gone. You know, they'll say, you mean the sun? Yeah, sun, sun it says it will be on fire. And it said the, sun, the earth and the sun will both be burned up. Everything you can see, and and this takes me this takes me back to the scripture that says, "Put no confidence in the things seen." That's with your natural eye, but put confidence in the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. See, we're we're talking about eternal things, guys. These yeah, things the are worthy to be talked about. We're to compare spiritual things with spiritual. That's right. Exactly. Too many people. Too many people are trying to be spiritual by comparing fleshly things with fleshly things. That's right. That's right. And they're not looking at things in the, in the spiritual aspect of it. And and, and we 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 want to do that because again, and uh, we we want something tangible in the natural man. We want something that we can see, that we can feel, that we can touch, that we can grab, that we can observe. We, you know, we want something that we can serve, but the Bible says that that the kingdom of God doesn't come by observance. That's right. That's right. We don't see these things. These are, and and, and I don't know how many times I've probably said this to my 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 uh, brethren at at, at the, our fellowship at church, but uh, I tell them I said I don't know how to explain hope in Christ. I don't know how to explain uh, assurance of of the Spirit. All I know is, and I don't, can't tell you how to get it. No man can give anybody assurance. Nobody can tell anybody how to have hope. All I know is that's what's given to us by, as you said, Jerry, the incorruptible seed. He put the hope in us. Yeah. The hope in yeah. Christ. And our assurance doesn't come in anything that we do or see. Our assurance is in the Holy Ghost in Christ. Right. What he has done. We're assured that if we are his, this is going to be the end result. This is what's going to happen. And that hope that is given to us is a hope that, that is, is not something manufactured by, uh, you know, good works that we do that makes us feel better about ourselves that we can say, aha, check mark, there's one of the fruits of the Spirit, there's one of the fruits of the Spirit, aha, yeah. Here, yeah. here we go, there's one of the good works that the Bible tells us that we ought to be doing. You know, that hope comes from something that's untangible that is, 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 as the Bible says, hoped for and not seen. That's his right. Righteousness, his righteousness is not, it's something that we can't see. It's something that he owns and that he is. It's his, it's his existence. It, it's, it's his essence. The essence of Christ is righteousness. And, and no man can tangibly see 
all of Christ's righteousness in them. And so how am I to know? Am I righteous in my own self? Absolutely not. Does his righteousness ever seen in me? I think that we do see glimpses of his righteousness as he works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. But we never can claim that for our own. And so it's not something tangible within ourselves. It's something that we don't know when it's going to come. We don't know when it's going to be withheld. We don't know those things. But even whenever we don't see those and we come through those times like Paul in, in Romans chapter 7, where he has the, it's almost like he's a schizophrenic, but but he he knows and and I don't know brother if if you guys have have seen how the pose that goes, but the and I don't know how many times I've read it, how many times I've preached on it, but the Lord just really hit me on this just I don't know maybe a couple of months ago, but here Paul is is having this war with what's tangible and what's not tangible. And what he's seeing is his flesh does nothing but sin. But his mind wants nothing but to serve the law of God. And you have that incorruptible seed that cannot sin placed within that flesh that all it can do is sin. And you have this warfare. And Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, "I, you know... I, I, I've consigned myself to know that with my flesh I want to serve the law of sin, but with my mind I'll serve the law of God. That's what he got out of the whole war, Christian war. That's right. And then, praise God, chapter 8, verse 1 come in, and that's why he says, now there is not, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The comfort he was writing to those Romans in chapter 8 starting off with is, yes, you're going to experience this war between the tangible and the intangible, and it's going to seem like the tangible is always going to win, and you're going to feel bad, you're going to feel like a loser, you're going to feel like you're lost, but there is a hope, and that hope looks to the fact that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a blessing verse 1 of chapter 8 is following that sort of schizophrenic, (laughs) and I hope that isn't blasphemous for me to say that, but a schizophrenic attitude that we seem to experience in this Christian warfare. And and, and I I don't know, brother, I just, I used to believe that, that we should be able to progressively see more and more holiness in us, but I, I, that's not true. I, I, the more that I come to see Christ and to see the scriptures, I, I find that I'm doing more sinning than I than I ever have because I know more of what sin is. That's right. More, That's right. I know more of what holiness is. And That's right. To me, I did, it didn't seem like I was doing a lot of sin, but now I've seen that, oh, that's sin. That's <laughs> I've right. I've seen myself That's the right. way I am. And, I, and he continually gives us to see that. The, the the younger or, or the older is always going to continue to serve the younger. Esau is always going to serve Jacob. That's our, right. Our flesh, our old man, is always going to serve the younger spiritual man. And God does that. Like you said, Jerry, he uses our sin to show us ourselves, to keep our eyes and our hope in Christ, 
and 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 to humble us. To humble us before to him. humble us. Show yes. Us our, our, show us our dependency and His sufficiency, and, and you right. can't explain that to the natural man. No, and you no. can't explain that even to the spiritual man that the Lord's not quite given to see those things. That's right. I mean, even the, right. even the spiritual man, it, you can't tell him do this or do that or feel this or feel that. It's what Christ has put in us, and as He grows us in the grace and knowledge of God, there's a hope that just continues so that, as the Bible says, those who endure to the end, those are the ones who will be saved. Not in the same people, that's right. In, endurance because of his preservation of continually giving us hope. Continually. That's, that's right. That's right. And we need it over and over and over. We get down track. Guys, I, I want to apologize. I, I kind of seem to be doing most of the talking here, and I don't mean—I don't mean to take up uh, anybody else's talking. If anybody else wants to jump in there, I'm—I'm I'm your typical preacher, I guess. I just will talk and talk and talk until <laughs> I hear something. Well, one so of the things that—you got to shut me well, down. One of the things that I would like to suggest, Michael, is you know, as we get you know to a point where. Uh, toward the end of the call, I'd like to take about 10 or 15 minutes and open it up, you know, for people to to ask questions or whatever. I, I do want to make one comment, and that is I really uh, was edified and built up by Brother Michael's uh, teaching uh, Sunday because one of the things that has been a, a tremendous uh, comfort to me is to realize that this isn't something that just happened in time. You know, this is something that's happened in eternity. And I was thinking, you know, the first time I read through the 17th chapter of John, I've shared this with people, what a tremendous impact that the Holy Spirit worked in my heart over reading that. And especially the second verse, Thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, and that I, I can't, I can't put into words how that impacted me. But when I first, I had never been taught that. I'd never been taught substitutionary atonement, and I certainly hadn't been taught election or predestination. And now, I'm just beginning to be taught this uh, eternal. Uh, the eternal nature of Jesus Christ. I mean, we we can't change the nature of Jesus Christ in time, you know, and uh, that Man. has been a, that has been a tremendous comfort to me. Amen. You know, we you know we uh, uh, we seem to be a contradiction to people like Church of Christ and. And uh, probably Baptist and everything else, because we go up and down the street saying, uh, "Not of works." And of course, the scripture says, "Not of works of righteousness, which we have done." But the the scripture, and before you throw rocks at me, let me finish. <laughs> but uh, the scripture says that we will be judged by our works on that last day. But see. What it is, it says not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's Christ's works, and they're they're so imputed to his people 
that they are looked at 100% as coming from them when, in fact, that it's he that's worketh in you both the will, whether or not we've done them or he has done them and imputed them to us. He sees they will be accredited to our account if we're his elect people. That's powerful. So so there's that's the answer to this. Well, it says you're going to be judged by your works, and it plainly does. But it says not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's works of righteousness, which he has done. I mean, uh, if that, any of that makes sense. But it's... Uh, Every single thing is the doings of God, and 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 over in Hebrews it says it talks about there many did not enter His rest, and it said there remained therefore a rest for people of God. This to me tells me that every one of God's elect, if they're His, there's a resting place for them to seize from their own works and enter into Christ's finished works and quit worrying about this Sabbath keeping, all this other silliness. Uh, that man and, and tithing and, and it's an endless list of of doings instead of focusing on the glorious, perfect, finished work of Christ. Amen. Well, gentlemen, I'm really enjoying this, <clears throat> and I'm sure the people that are listening are enjoying it as well. Um, Wow, really edifying. So, um, you know, if no one has any comments as of yet, we could go into the suggestion that Jerry had earlier as well, which is to read Ephesians 1. Would you gentlemen like to do that and comment as we go along? Sure. sure. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like reading the Word of God. And... Uh, well, I guess I'll start out with the reading. Anytime you want to interject, gentlemen, you just say I would like to say something, okay? Okay. okay. Chapter 1 of Ephesians. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, which are in Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Christ Did I say Jesus. something right, right there? Sure, you can. Uh, this this is this is something that really hit me here a few months ago, or maybe last year. But you notice to the saints, if you take that word saint and look at the Greek interpretation, that is exactly the same word that is translated holy in front of Holy Spirit. So in essence, this is saying to the holy. At Ephesus, these are the only. This is his elect, and this is looking through the uh, holiness of Christ's righteousness. These are the only people this book, this Bible, is sent to. Is the election of grace, guys? The election have obtained it, and the rest are blinded. Just, I mean, this is a powerful thing when you think about. And this is, in essence, this is a, an unknown tongue. I don't know, you know, about the uh, Pentecostal business, but this is an unknown tongue to the rest of the world. There's none that understandeth. I'm sorry, but that's just, and every single book in the Bible, Old and New Testament, it, they're to the saints. They're to the people that this love letter is written to, which is the bride. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. I, 
You don't need to be. You don't need to be sorry. Does anybody else have to comment before I continue reading? I would just say Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Hey, Mike, could I say something? Certainly. You're, you might not going to get very far. Well, that's okay. <laughs> it's not that scary. Uh, if you'll notice there in verse 2, grace to you. Who, who, who was Jerry just talking about? <laughs> the saints and the faithful in Christ. Yes, right. Grace is to them and to them only. That's right. Peace is to them and them only. Blessed are to them and them only. We we talked about, and you guys might have talked about this in one of your programs before, but this notion of common grace, uh, this grace that God has for the the reprobate, and I don't believe that that's to be found anywhere in Scripture. The grace is given to God's people and them alone. That's right. That's right. We we kind of glaze over some of these introductory uh, sentences a lot of times in the books of the Bible, but every word, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable. I believe every word, every phrase, every line, is important and is not just cavalier uh, speaking by the Holy Spirit. Grace to you. Grace to you. I mean, the Holy Spirit told Paul to write grace to you. Not grace to everybody, but grace to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, And the word grace... It means unmerited favor. The word grace includes mercy. He said, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. The word grace, you can't separate it from mercy. It is. It includes all the blessings. It includes being seated in heavenly places in Christ. This is awesome when you think about it, guys. This is unbelievable. Amen. Well, I imagine uh, with the next couple of verses, there'll be lots of comments. So, uh, <laughs> verse four: According as He hath chosen us in Him from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Could I say something right there? Sure. And that is that there was never a time through eternity that we were not in him. And there was never a time, if we're in him now, there was never a time in eternity we were not in him, and there was never a time in eternity that his mercy wasn't upon us. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. 
there there's another there's another word right there that is that that the Lord has given me great appreciation for, and that's the word everlasting. Everlasting life. The word everlasting doesn't just go forward in eternity, it goes in reverse in eternity. It never has a beginning. It never has an end. If you have eternity, eternal life right now, you've had it from eternity. I would also add, Jerry, there that these verses right here, not just Jerry, but everyone else, Jerry was speaking, uh, these verses right here are probably one of the, the most solid portions of, of Scripture that that teaches our eternal vital unity with Christ. That's and right. That's right. It, it, if you'll notice there in verse 3, it says, He hath blessed, past tense, He hath blessed us, not some ethereal cloud of soon-to-be believers, we know that the scriptures say that that on there were names written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. The, it's not this. And I don't know if anybody else has dealt with this, but this so somewhat ethereal cloud of the elect. The elect are made up of particular individuals, not just this cloud of chosen people that come into election through believing, okay? Uh, we said that's right, that's them. right. That's, that's exactly right. They believe because they are his people. They don't believe in order to be his people. But this is, we were blessed with all spiritual blessings. And now you just think about that. You, you name a spiritual blessing. And we were, past tense, blessed with all of them. Right. And it gives it gives the place where we were blessed is in the heavenly places. That's right. That's right. And it was according, or it was in Christ Jesus that we were blessed with all those spiritual blessings. You know, uh, Brother Larry brought up the, the passage a while ago in John 17, and, and one of the places where Jesus talks about uh, there with his father, he says, he's talking about the elect, and he says, you know, thine they were, and thou hast yeah. given them unto me. We were united to him. We belong to the father, and, and we're given to the God-man, Jesus Christ, in heavenly places before the foundation of the world. And, and so you think about it, you know, a lot of Reformed guys will talk about that we're not saved until we believe that uh, that quickening is salvation. Uh, but you think about quickening, you think about all these things, justification, sanctification, glorification, all those things. Those are, those are spiritual blessings. That's right. That's right. But the Bible says they were given to us before the foundation of the world in election. And and I've heard it from a lot of guys that want to argue against what, you know, and I I don't like, again, I don't like monikers or, or 
you know, theological systems, but I'll just, just say a lot of the old school Baptists hold to these things, and one of the things that they get accused of is, uh, is, is they get accused of believing in, uh, in a salvation before a salvation. <laughs> and I say, absolutely. <laughs> there was a salvation before I knew there was a salvation, and I didn't bring that salvation in. It came to me through faith. That knowledge, <laughs> that experience of that come to me through faith. And so, you know, 1 Timothy tells us that we were saved and called before the foundation of the world, but it is right. now made manifest, now made manifest uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ, who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Right. Not to life, That's... not to life. A lot of people think that it's brought to life through the gospel, but it's brought to light. It just the gospel is telling that's us right. what already happened in eternity. That's right. And that's what he Paul is saying here, the same thing he's telling the Ephesians that he told Timothy. This salvation was in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in our election. Yes. And a lot of guys tell a lot of guys tell me, you know, election is not salvation. And I said, well, if it's not, then what is? I mean, election yeah. is our salvation. It, it, you see, see uh, you can't separate all this. All of it is, yeah, is, is what God's ordained. You know, uh, it, it just there's just so much. You know, you're talking about uh, salvation before salvation. Uh, is that not what Christ is when he's, he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? Uh, see that that covers. See and and it says and look at the opposite of salvation. Uh, look at salvation is is knowing God, and as Chris points out, it's Him knowing you. But it's a mutual knowing. You don't hardly ever know somebody that He don't know you back. You you know you introduce yourself, you shake hands, and that's typical typically how we meet each other face to face. But he says, depart from me, I never knew you. So how could anyone ever lose their salvation as some claim? If salvation is knowing God, how could any man uh, accuse the Lord of of knowing a man and then saying, depart from me, I never knew you? But salvation is knowing man. And, and I this dawned on me. How does he know you? He knows you just like he knew and knows Jeremiah. Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's not just Jeremiah. That's all of his elect people, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. This this is so rich and so deep. It's beyond any capacity of any man to grasp. Hey, hey, Jerry. Uh, I don't. You mentioned Chris. I don't know who Chris is. Is he on? Well, hold on a second here. There's a, there's a great lead in. Chris, <laughs> would you like to join us and maybe do a little reading? <laughs> Chris, we are on uh, verse six, Ephesians one. If you're there, if you'd like to do some reading to, to tie it in here, 
or comment or say hello. Chris has been patiently listening. I have no easies on. But How about Walt? Is, 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 Walt on, is Walt on too? I have no idea. But I think Chris right now has probably got himself mute. So he can't, if he's trying to talk, he cannot talk. That's okay. Um, yes, but Chris has, okay. has been joining us in studies and uh, fellowship, so he's out in California. But uh, well, I, I would just confirm confirm what Chris what Chris said and what Jerry quoted from Chris. I mean, that's actually scriptural about being uh, knowing God, and then him also saying being known of God. I mean, that's Galatians four nine. That's right. But but now that after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. That's right. Uh, it, it, it is a mutual thing. Whenever we know God, it's only we know him because he first knew us. That's if you right. want to kind of rearrange that verse about love, you know, we loved him because he first loved us. That's right. And That's right. Those, words, those words are very close. Uh, to, to know a woman is to love a woman. You That's know, right. We are, we are for loved of God. That's foreknown of God. That's the, right. that's the love we had. And so for us to know God is not to have a cognitive knowledge of God, but it's to have an intimate relationship with God and Him to have an intimate relationship with us. And uh, uh, matter of fact, I believe that same word known there is that word that is used whenever it spoke about Mary, whenever it says she did not know a man. Uh, that same word is used there, uh, and speaks of just an intimate relationship. And That's right. If, if we know, if we know God in that intimate relationship, it's only because He knew us first. That's right. But anyway, I, I just that that reminded me that when you said that, Jerry, that 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 isn't too far off, you know, from what the Galatians passage says. Sure, sure. Well, I usually talk about. Uh, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. I don't usually mention the other side, but the other side is exposed when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Uh, and, and, and then there's another thing about the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, all whose names, he doesn't say who haven't been blotted out. He said, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into the lake of fire. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life shall worship the beast. What's the beast? The beast to me is any one of these false Christs. It is all the things people worship except the true and living God. Can I make a can I make a comment? <clears throat> um, can I, can, I hold on, hold for any further, Larry, not to be rude. Gentlemen, for now on can you remember this? Just say comment. Oh, okay. I appreciate your I appreciate your, all your politeness, but you don't need to ask. Just say comment. Okay. 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 Um, well, this uh, verse five has really been a blessing to me. Most people here know I come out of a background where I dealt with a lot of adopted children, and. Uh, it just blows my mind to think having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I mean, 
I can't even wrap my arms around that, thinking that our adoption took place before the foundation of the world by Jesus Christ. That proves that proves that Jesus Christ himself had us in mind as adopting us before and predestination means predetermined beforehand. <laughs> you know, by Jesus oh, yes. Christ. Yeah. By Jesus Christ. And I tell people, you know, it's a comfort to me to know that I can't be unadopted. That's Once right. I'm adopted, right. I'm in you know. And and could I mention something on that? Uh, see, and and if we're his elect, and I should just say uh, the elect, but see, there's he 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 doesn't have to ad- adopt the seed of Christ. He has to adopt the Adam nature of us. Uh, Amen. Steve, you see, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Michael? Uh, see, Amen. it says. Yeah, I agree. It says, because ye are sons. See, this man is not adopted here. And, and although everything Larry says is 100% correct, but he says, because ye are sons, he's put the spirit of his son in you. That's in that seed that you cry, Abba, Father. That's where the faith of Christ is. That's where the mind of Christ is. He said, no man knows the mind of Christ, but we have the mind of Christ. We have a duplication spiritually in the seed of Christ of everything we have in the seed of Adam. But the difference is Adam has a sin nature. So the sins of Adam have to be paid for and he has to be adopted. I mean, this is, this is, see, there's so much more to Christianity than natural man ever has any idea. He thinks believing makes him something. Hey, comment? Sure. Uh, Romans eight twenty three says, and and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Yes, sir. Who yes, is sir. the redemption of the body? Jerry, I think Jerry's correct in that. Is is that the 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 spiritual man, the new man, the seed that's in us? That's not adopted. It's this old man that's adopted. That's right. That's exactly I'm, right. It's still the redemption of the body. Uh, and that's, have, that's, the, that's the sins that had to be paid for, is the old man that never ceases to sin, that Paul says, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Absolutely. And, and, and he's, a, he's adopted that until, uh, until that it, is, uh, it is done away with. And, and, and I believe that... Uh, that uh, we that groaning that we have, you know, Paul mentioned it on different occasions. That groaning is that we we put away this tent in which those sins are are in, and, and we put on that that new body uh, at the resurrection that has no sin, and uh, then then our body and that new man will be whole, will be one. Uh, but uh, I, I believe you're right in that, Jerry. I don't think that that adoption was was just necessarily uh, adoption of, of the new man. Uh, it was it was a specific in the fact that it was the adoption of that Adamic man. And yet, everything Larry said is 100 percent complete. So you can focus you can fo- focus on either one of these men, the old man or the new man, and you think how's how's this 
house is called the the new man when Christ is eternal? Well, it's because it's talking about the time he spent with his feet on earth. He's the new man as far as creation's concerned. Uh, you know, in Adam all die, even so in Christ all are make, made alive. Uh, but yeah, Larry is a hundred percent correct. Every and you know this is another thing, Larry, that is hard for us to swallow. Uh, there's a lot of children out there that that aren't having it pleasant on this earth. And as hard yes. as it might be, that's been ordained too, and that's hard to you know that's hard to, but. Well, that really gives me comfort since I heard that your guys' uh, rendition of that. Because what, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is that he's even, he's even having predestinated the old man in me yeah. to be <laughs> like yeah. Jesus Christ according to himself. So that gives me hope. Well, well, well brother, the Bible says the Bible says that He has set our habitation, and and if you look at that in the physical. We talk about where we live, you know, where we live. But if you look at that in the spiritual, he has set our habitation. We are, we are treasures in earthen vessels. We, we have this, this new man who is inside of this old dying corpse that can do nothing but sin. That's right. And, and, and so that adoption is of that old man, and that was before the foundation of the world. Listen, brethren, I, that's why I guess the, the 50 cent, as my grandpa used to say, the 50 cent word, superlapsarianism, that's why I would hold to that. I believe that God decreed that his people who were in Christ Jesus would, would fall in Adam. I believe that Adam, that it was predestined that he would fall, that he would sin. It wasn't a second afterthought or a broad plan. I believe that, that Adam was created with the nature to be the man to bring sin into the world. I do too. And that, I do too. And, and, and that, that that was before the foundation of the world, God had already adopted what we would become in Adam as his people would become. That's why we're called lost sheep. We were lost in that sin sin that entered in through Adam, we were lost in that. And he had already adopted, had already purposed to adopt that man. It was already adopted before it ever happened. And and, and so yeah, Larry, our our, our old man, that 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 old crummy guy that <laughs> we all have grown to hate within ourselves, uh, you know, the Lord adopted that. And, and, and you know, me, that's what so is, is baffling that that someone as holy as God is. I mentioned this Sunday, and Larry heard this. I mentioned this to our brethren. It's amazing to me that Jesus would call us brethren. That that for the joy right. set before him, he endured. For the joy, it was a joy for him to go to the cross to substitute for his brethren. I mean, I don't understand that and why God would adopt a vile and wretched person uh, and, and, and set his love upon them. That, you know, I, I, Jerry, I think I heard you in one of their, y'all's conversations uh, uh, a few days ago or weeks ago. I don't know. I, I try to catch up on y'all's recordings. 
uh, as I can. But uh, I think you said it on one of the recordings, is it's not amazing that God uh, hated Esau, it's that he loved Jacob, you know? That's right. I don't understand. That's right. I don't understand that. That adoption is a beautiful thing, and I, I'm not. I guess I don't understand where Larry's come from. Were you adopted, Larry, or did you just work with adopted kids? No, I had a position, you know, where I was in charge of overseeing adoptions, you know, because of the foster parents. That's, yeah. There was 80 foster That's, homes. I'm sorry. I'm, and I'm what sorry. would happen is people would be, you know, they would be chosen to be adopted by certain parents. And they would come up to the fi- the very final court date for the adoption, and the parents would pull out. Mm-hmm. They we we've, we've decided we're not going to adopt the children. This is why this is such a blessing to me, because God's uh-huh. never going to pull out. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? That, yes, it is. yes, it I've is. I've never really thought of. I've never thought it from that side, Brother Jerry, I mean, Brother Larry, uh, yeah. about the parents have the option to turn away at the last minute. Mm. Yeah. Well, surely if God was like man, he would do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, 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 and think what they, what they base it on. You think what they base it on. More than likely, they base it on the child doesn't act the way they wanted to see if we didn't act if if we if i mean there's so many reasons that god could back out through human eyes because we're such despicable characters by nature i've often thought lord why would you ever want a devil like me I, and and i'm i mean it guys i mean i'm not out here robbing banks so i'm just talking about the stuff that goes through my mind and the and the different things, I just... Uh, you know, just... In, in, I have to share one thing, because this is very timely, and uh, everything happens for a reason. But they they had three-by-five uh, three cards. They didn't have a computer database set up. They had three-by-five cards at the placement desk on incoming foster parents. And the ages that they wanted and the sex they wanted, whether boy or girl and that, I pulled out this one card one time. I could not believe they even put this on there. The foster parents filled these cards out, and it said, no ugly children. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, And I think about myself. I'm sure glad God doesn't have a three-by-five card saying no ugly children because I would never. And I'm not talking about just physical ugliness either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, could I say something about that? You know, this is amazing. They sure wouldn't have put, picked Christ because it said he had no comeliness about him, which means beauty that any man would be drawn to him. In other words, he evidently was not an attractive child. And and I think this, Larry, I think most of God's elect are uncomely because God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, that no flesh would glory in his sight. He gives the First Baptist Church the cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah. So, God's people are truly the 
uh, he said, not many noble, not many rich, not many mighty. For God has chosen, chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You know, you just think about this. I was thinking about this as you guys were talking earlier. I was thinking the Bible speaks until we all come to the unity of faith. Look at how the Lord is bringing his people to the unity of the faith clear across the United States. Yeah. 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 You know what, gentlemen? This sounds like a very good time to end the recording. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to say thank you very much, uh, Mike, for joining us, and Larry and Jerry and Chris and guests three and four and five. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I hope uh, and I pray that Mike, you will join us many a time because uh, you have a lot to share. And I appreciate before you before you do in the call, um, you know, Michael, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you you had to you had to leap a lot of <laughs> you had to go through a lot to drive down and all of your driving and coordinating and then jump on right in the middle of all your you know, preparing for tomorrow on that. Do you have any final uh, comments or things before we do in the call? Well, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me on here, and and it it really is good. It's good to be able to talk with with brothers who 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 see these truths and have been given to them, and and uh, the opportunity. And I, I'm thankful for the Lord for technology. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know. Like Jerry said, here we are all over the country, and 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 uh, we're able to uh, speak together as if we're in the same room and and converse. And I, I'm thankful for that. And, and Lord willing, I hope to be able to uh, join in on some more uh, of the calls uh, in the days to come. I'm sure thank that he, I'm sure he will be willing, and I'm sure we'll will make it happen. So, thank you, gentlemen. Okay, stay on. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.